Welcome to Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. All right, everybody. So here is Drew Leda. Drew is running for uh, his representative for the Oregon's first congressional district. And uh, so House of Representatives there. And I am reading this verbatim. It includes Clatsop. That's the tough one. Columbia, Washington, and Yamhill counties, as well as Southwest Multnomah. Multnomah. Okay, Drew, help me out here. What the heck is this? Multnomah? Multnomah. I was going to give you a couple. <laughs> to hack away at it but thank you. <laughs> yeah well if you give me time to hack away at it it's like some you know, people that, that have heard me do my show uh regularly know that I, it's never gonna get there so anyway okay Multnomah County in Portland so that uh, off the off the bat you know welcome to candidates of liberty number one um thanks for having me yeah no I well, uh, I'm excited to have you on and uh, you know the reason is uh, the you know it takes some some balls to uh, to run as a libertarian, especially in Oregon, and especially cl- so close to Portland. So before we get into some of our standard questions, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the area and you know your take on running as a libertarian in Portland when you know we're coming off the wake of this this video coming coming out, which you know Antifa has taken the you know, taken the streets and they're doing this this vigil for uh, for a man who was shot and yelling at motorists on top of everything else that's been going on. So so give me your your on the ground take, and uh, and I think this might lead us into the first question. But <laughs> let's, let's hear. Portland is an interesting town. Let me tell you what it. <laughs> To all my my ways of looking at it, now bearing in mind I live out here, is that it is an area that is an extremely libertarian, but they've got a liberal identity crisis. Hmm. I mean, when you look at things that were important to the Libertarian Party all the way back to 1971 when we wrote down our, our, our platform and planks, right on up there was the decriminalization of uh, marijuana and uh, LGBTQ, or as that it was called at the time, gay rights. Uh, this area is quite nearly one of the epicenters in the country for the legalization of marijuana, for gay rights, and, and a lot of other things that people would associate maybe more with liberal ideas because they're much better at taking our ideas than we are at taking them. <laughs> right. Uh, but you also have this, this you know, even though you the, down in Salem you have this kind of big spending spree kind of government that manages to take in record revenues and have record deficits in the same year, uh, you have a, a larger groups of the rural populations in this area that are extremely mistrustful of Salem and are growing more and more, it's easier for them with Trump in office, distrustful of what's going on at the federal level. And they're starting to come to these epiphanic thoughts like, well, maybe if we were just allowed to take care of it ourselves. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, welcome to the Libertarian Party. Right. Yeah. So, so, in regards to that, seeing you know, seeing where you you grew up, now you said you were you grew up there as well. No, I grew oh, okay. up in the, the opposite situation. Uh, during my early childhood, after we moved from Colorado to northeastern Ohio, uh, which Youngstown, Ohio, was notoriously known as once having a higher per capita crime related murder rate than Detroit wow. and oh, and Watts in L.A. Oh yeah, combined, uh, extremely rough town. Our congressman, Jim Trafficant, was an openly corrupt, openly mob-owned congressman. 
and while I was growing up there, I spent time in a place called the Ohio Veterans Children's Home, which is a fancy word for state-run orphanage. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, unlike most of our listeners, uh, I actually know what it's like to be property of the state. And let me tell you, if they're capable of doing some of the things that they did to kids they were kept in charge of, they're capable of following any order. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, my own life, I, I work with an organization called CASA. I'm not, not sure if you're familiar with them or not, but they work with children in foster care. And yeah, I mean, that some of the, the, the horror stories you hear from, from people in the system and just the disregard for what you want personally, uh, you know, even though you're, you're a child, like you said, you are a ward of the state, you're the property and they ignore your wishes. They ignore what, what you might want as far as personal preference for where you want to live, who you want to live with. And, uh, it's almost just, you know, you're a, a cog in the system. So I, um, I'm sorry for the experience you had there, but at least uh, you managed to come out stronger because of it. Uh, well, I should say, not that I'd wish that on anybody, not that I'm like, let's, let's let everybody go in the system, like the Israeli military, right? Everybody gets a turn in the system, you come out stronger, not, not, not in anything yeah. like that. But I would have to say that the orphanage is there, is, is where I cut my teeth, mm. and don't tell me the bleep what to do. Yeah. Which, you know, that, that mid-90s angsty anarchist thing that just really wasn't really about rights or liberties. It was just about, don't tell me what to do. That's probably the predecessor that I moved forward through, through you know, then growing to appreciate my own rights and then kind of really getting to the point. Uh, I grew up really small and uh, for some reason still with a big mouth. So I got beat up on a lot. <laughs> now I, now uh, I feel like I have to ask, are you larger now? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Six foot, nothing, 150 pounds of farmer. Man, so six foot's pretty tall. You're taller than average. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so lately, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of in a opposite role, you know, going around seeing people other than myself being picked on and, and realizing that that's kind of where I came full circle is, you know, a libertine appreciates their own rights and what, what they're allowed to do. But really when I put myself in, in the position of, you know, I hate to use the moniker, almost uh sheepdog where you just, we got to watch out for our other folks because there are some rather nasty powers in play that don't have the best intentions for them. Mm -hmm. Well, so get, tell me a little bit more about your uh, growth. You know, why, why you're a libertarian? Obviously, it has it's rooted in your past. Like you said, this the concept of being state owned uh, in in a fashion obviously mm -hmm. did a, had a lot to do with it. But tell me a little bit more about how you evolved into becoming a libertarian full fledged. You know, when did you? What you know? Tell me a little bit about your uh, your evolution in the past. You know, did you spend a lot of time in Ohio before going to Oregon? Was there anything that kind of shaped your beliefs as far as a, a distinct political view? And when did you actually realize, hey, I'm a libertarian? You know, when did you even hear about it? Because God knows, a lot of people don't even hear the phrase libertarian until they're in their mid thirties. <laughs> well, uh, between living in Ohio and living in Oregon, I had a. Uh, career in the Gulf of Mexico area as a commercial saturation diver. Um, mm. And point there, I lived in uh, Rockport, Fulton, Texas. Um, and my congressman at the time, uh, Ron Paul. All right. <laughs> it's not libertarian or, you know, he just kept say, he just kept driving this word. And I was like, he's not saying his own parties saying this word that sounds like a uh, 15th, 16th century French word that has liberty in it. Mm. Um, and just kind of hearing about how he was able to, 
just, I mean, come on. The, the, the first time we saw him on a forum debate with the other candidates, and despite the news media trying to, you know, do their best to downplay it, he ragdolled them. He ragdolled them with their spending policy. They're creating money out of thin air. The way he talked about the anti-war efforts, and I was like, "Whoa, this is not your standard fair Republican hawk stuff." And and I started looking in on you know his earlier campaigns and stuff like that, and come to find out he was the part a Libertarian Party presidential nominee. I think eighty four. I think it was against Reagan, mm-hmm. uh, and just. I watched one of those old videos and man, you take away some wrinkles and some rasp in the voice. It's the same freaking message. Yeah. And to me in, in political parlance, being consistent, being ideologically consistent was even if, even if I disagreed with the person, it was a a good mark on their character because at least they're not some yes man. You know, even from a young age, we all knew in lo- what lobbyists were and the idea that our Congress, that our representatives can be bribed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, you know, Ron Paul the, the kind of led me back to, to his party because this was right right after uh, uh, after his first go around. Then 9-11 happened. Uh, I'm not trusting made any, any two entrenched parties after that point, especially mm-hmm. after... Uh, you know, Uncle Ron showed me how to make such a wonderful tinfoil tri-tip, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, and plus, you know, I I'd never felt at home in, in either of the two two major political parties. And then I know for libertarians, this has got to be done to death. But, you know, the Democratic Party was just way too interested in what I had going on in my wallet. And I don't know, let's let's, you know, the kind of the religious right aspect they just have way too much they want to to be mindful of what you do do in your personal life uh and taking what i view as something very immoral which is you know directing more than one soul the one you've been given and trying to you know it's it's varying degrees of kind of slavery you don't get to own Mm -hmm. other people you don't get to own their choices and and both parties seemed replete with individuals who were really perfectly willing to make any given choice for me at any given time. And when you, you know, between the, between the orphanage and, and growing up w- with what we'll call, um, uh, Jedi level street smarts <laughs> and the start to get going up on the back of your neck because, uh, it's, you know, it's a power game yeah. and I'll learn that power corrupts. Absolutely. I'm probably going to end up saying this repeatedly, but that's the one thing that attracted me and kept me with the libertarian party is libertarians are capable of looking absolute power in the face and tell it no. Damn well right, man. I love it. So so why did you run then? You know, so you, you say you, you're inspired. You obviously, you know, Dr. Paul had inspired you. He was uh, a congressman. Is that why you decided to run for Congress? Or was it something where you said, well, this is, I see an opportunity here where there might be uh, some weakness as far as the opponents that were that were out there and you decided to throw your hat in the ring. You know, how did you come to this conclusion to, to, to embrace uh, a public campaign? Because it, as we've seen, uh, there are, it is fraught with danger, and uh, the pit the pitfalls are many, as are the slings and arrows. But I, I respect you were taking the choice. Now, wonder a little bit how you came to that decision. Um, I kind of it's a, it's a mindset. I may, maybe maybe I picked up on the wrestling mat. Maybe I picked up rolling jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But 
taking an ass-kicking in defense of others is giving tyranny an ass-kicking of its own. So to that regard, if everybody would do that, you just any opportunity, tyranny re- reveals its face, even an insignificant peon like me pops up and says, nope, not here, right, not right now, or at least not easily. Uh, I don't know, I always think of that movie, Ants, or that, that one part movie, this is I, I've not heard anybody reference the movie Ants uh, yet in one of these interviews. I like this. We're, I, I'm curious to see where this is going. Let's go. <laughs> For the, all these, you know, weak and you know, semi powerless ants realize, yeah. wait a minute, one, two, three, four, five, one million, mm-hmm. and seven grasshoppers. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Well, that and, is it, it is without a doubt shocking the the amount of power people seem to be content to cede to. Very few individuals, be that in uh, in government or be that in industry that is working in conjunction with governments. We see crony capitalism is playing out all over the world uh, consistently. But yeah, it is a powerful concept. And is that something that you're using in your messaging to try to, to reach people and convey to them, look, this is, you know, we need to take back our best interests and, and that means individual liberty? Oh, hugely so. That's a, a, a drastic, drastically large part of my campaign. I mean, it, uh, as, as you know, kind of another thing that Portland, Oregon is famous for is the left-right brawls. Uh, they come mm-hmm. like clockwork fairly every weekend that the weather's nice enough. <laughs> uh, crazy. Uh, that That's what really kind of got me going because, uh, you know, wrestling, you know, jujitsu, being an MMA kind of combat sports, when it's mutually agreed upon combat, okay, we're going to go have it out and it's going to be, but a lot of the times what the, the mechanisms of power in place do is they trick other people into doing their combat for them. Mm-hmm. And when I saw how easily my, you know, my friends and neighbors, I mean, are, are able to be kind of have their switch completely turned from, Oh, let's have a drawn out rational conversation on this where we're, neither of us makes any headway, but at least no blows are thrown straight to fascists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> calamity jane and uh i think both parties you know could use a you know kind of a lesson from kind of libertarians it's like hey you know it's possible to like it's possible to like free speech and to make sure that you know we we have equal protection of laws at the same time there's a place where you guys can have this have all of your opinions and, and enjoy them in the order that you like you know without forcing them on other people is i don't know ever since 2016 man doesn't it seem like we've been put on this train wreck course where we're being tricked right now into into choosing between some sort of fascism and some sort of socialism oh without a doubt i mean i would argue it's been going on for uh, much longer than 2016 even but it seems to have been uh, there seems to be a pinpoint focus now as far as the desires of those in power uh, and and those that are blindly following those in power and and speaking of that you know who are your opponents I, I think there's been uh, the same Democrats been in office since something like 2012 yes. uh, I'm not sure who the Republican uh, is running you're running against in the district is but how has that been uh, tell uh, here's the things I'd like to know number one are you getting attention from the media or are they content to ignore you as we've seen time and time again, whenever a libertarian is running and uh, you know, how have you been attacking your opponents? You know, who are these opponents? How have you been attacking them? And have they been, uh, have they actually tried to respond to any of your talking points? 
quite interesting that you asked that. I've been kind of more lucky in the regard than a lot of libertarian candidates. That's good to hear. Around the country, I you know didn't have any problem with ballot access. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been invited to every forum and debate that 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 I'm aware of. Uh, Legal Women Voters has reached out. You know, I've I've kind of been lucky in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the incumbent Susan Bonamici. That was uh, it. Yeah, Bonamici. She's that's the one's been there for yeah six years, right? She's she's been in there for for quite a while and. Uh, let's just say that, that, uh, I don't know, I, I judge my success by how happy my opponents are to see me the next time. <laughs> and the first time, you know, we met, it was the Washington, Washington County public affairs forum. They kind of have like a little debate set up there. She was nice. She knew my name, you know, inter- introduced herself, uh, made, made sure I knew she liked to be called, uh, Suzanne, not Susan, which glad to know, mm-hmm. uh, but then we'd start talking to, you know, then the forum switched to, you know, to healthcare. And I, there were a couple different issues where she would say something and I'd get to respond to it. And, and you, know, you know, you're not always mindful whether what you say is going to make the person that spoke before you look, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? S- stupid? <laughs> Ill, Ill-informed? <laughs> Partisan? Uh, partisan, uh, partisan or purchased. If I was to choose, ah, yeah, that's a good one. I like purchased or purchased. But uh, yeah, I mean, sitting there, uh, one lady asked her a question. You know, like you know, I love my Medicaid. I love my Medicare. You know, when is it going to cover uh, dental and vision and and um, and hearing hearing loss or something like that? And you know. She gets up, gives a really long-winded thing. Oh, once we pass this next bill, mm-hmm. <laughs> once we pass this next version of Obamacare on steroids and elephant-infused nonsense, we'll be <laughs> we'll be good to go. And uh, you know, it was my turn, and I was like, "There's not enough money in Medicare. Not that it's a great idea, because Medicare is authorized to spend up to a thousand dollars per two-dollar bag of saline." Mm-hmm. There's no amount of extra money that we can provide to a machine that eats like that that's going to leave it satiated enough to give us anything back at all. Mm-hmm. So is that the primary? Is that is that the primary uh, point of attack as far as going after the tem- Democrat? Because, like you said, you probably you do agree, obviously, on the uh, the agree you know the medical marijuana and uh, or just marijuana in general decriminalization and legalization. So that's somewhere you you guys can agree, and I'm sure as a crowd pleaser, uh, and of course I also support um, Medicare. Obviously, is a contention. Has anything else cropped up, especially recently? And maybe there hasn't been a debate or a public forum since the Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, hearings went down, but I got to think that's something that crops up in any conversation as of late. Leading up to it, uh, I can definitely say, as you would expect, the re- Republican was complaining that uh, his name's John Verbeek, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Republican Party has spent uh, less money on him. I think I've actually out fundraised him. Wow, well, that's uh, good to hear. Congrats. Are they? Is it basically just the Republicans are seeding like they have no shot? Is that kind of? Yeah, I, I hope that it's that you've run, you somehow raised seven million dollars. But I, I, I'm guessing no, it's... <laughs> nothing like that. My my fundraising has actually been uh, quite modest. But I think it's as you said in the former that they've conceded that this is just such a you know this district has a better chance of finding itself teleported onto you know, Saturn's moon Titan right. than it does 
electing a Republican November 6th. Yeah. It's just not happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he didn't, I don't even think he got a statement submitted for the Secretary of State's voter guide, which, uh, and they have kind of two versions of it, basically uh, a version without a picture that gets sent to all the overseas and military voters, and the version we get here in Oregon that has your your face and the same message uh to my to my being able to dig it up he he didn't even couldn't even raise the twenty five hundred dollars to do that wow yeah. yeah so that's a pretty big conceited race <laughs> yeah no, it's, if, you, if you can't uh if you've got a bake sale together from the local boy scout troop to uh to get that then you're probably having some issues yeah i probably got 44 four or like 4.8 percent made that's gonna be that easy yeah i'm uh, so tell okay. So here's another question. So, oh, so we're talking about Kavanaugh. Um, mm-hmm. So that yeah. so that obviously did come up. And then the other question I was going to ask you is, um, you know, Kavanaugh being one topic, just because it's top of mind, but also in regards to Yemen, uh, is there anything that you've been using as far as talking about that or talking about the Saudi Arabians? Because it seems like the Democratic Party has completely ditched any any you know the, the being the party of anti-war is now a thing of the past. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that's anything that's coming to play as you've been in this debates or using any of your talking points i've been i've been hitting them pretty hard on the anti-war stuff anytime she would bring up that uh you know trump's using all this you know executive authority to do this that or the other thing and i'm sitting there like yeah you probably shouldn't have elected those powers to (laughs) obama right you know fashionable to love the executive in 2012 uh think things along those lines uh, making indirect, you know, indirect questions about it. I, I posed a question on Twitter the other day. Do you suppose foreign nations, despots, dictators, or whoever are more afraid of, you know, humans right, human rights violations on scale because of what the United States might do? Mm-hmm. Or are they more worried about violating the currency terms of the 1988 <laughs> OPEC agreement because of what the United States would do? Hashtag ask Saddam. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and by the way, you guys could all follow Drew at Leda, L-A-Y-D-A, 2018 is his Twitter, as is his website is just www.leda2018.com. So please make sure you do check that out. Uh, you can go and uh, get in touch with him by tweeting. You can also go and donate at his website. So obviously give him uh, give him any support you can. So anyway, so I wanted to plug that real quick. Continue. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> When circling back to Kavanaugh, it kind of worried me is both sides positions on that. It was it was all identity politics. It was all party politics. Uh, I I asked, you know, what about the Fourth Amendment? You know, what about his history with that? And everybody's looking like, oh, why are you using big technical words? Yeah. why, Why are you distracting us from this main event in the circus that we've created? Right. Indeed. Yeah, why why are you doing things other than calling, you know, your your polar opposite names? Right. I'm like libertarian <laughs> polar opposite other than authority. But so yeah, I, I, yeah, I presume that that yeah fell on deaf ears for the most part. Yeah, crickets, crickets. Thought yeah. uh, you start, you know, you try and bring up actual salient points of you know, issue related stuff. And you're like, Oh, no, this is not the century for that son. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about, let's say that uh, you get into office. What are the three things that you would do once you got in there? Oh, 
say the long chance comes true, say I'm elected. Let's well, say I'm, let's say definitively you will be elected, damn it. So what are you going to do? Oh, well, uh, the first thing I would do as a minority candidate elected, the first thing I'd want to do is cause a stink. So <laughs> the first thing I'd probably do is walk straight up to the minority whip and tell them they're in my chair with a camera <laughs> behind me. And that would make for really interesting discussion because I don't think I'd get the chair, but I would love to see the verbal backflips they use to redefine minority. <laughs> right. Um, secondly, uh, I don't know, probably one of the biggest things right now, one of the biggest Tenth Amendment issues of our day is the criminalization of marijuana. More, moreover, the number of people put in cages over a plant and things like that. So, you know, they, they might be thinking about, oh, trying to try to finding a way to, you know, decriminalize it or something like that. Whereas I want to go full deschedule, mm-hmm. uh, decriminalize and pardon of people convicted for, you know, just like the possession crimes. If you happen to also be arrested for going on a shooting spree while carrying marijuana, state's got you, man. You're on your own. I ain't right. helping you. <laughs> What about, what are your thoughts about, uh, I'm going to say this word wrong, cetacillabin? You know, it's a magic mushrooms. They've, they've had a lot of, it feels like to a lot of people that would be the next thing up on the, you know, as far as the fight to deschedule something because of, there's so many benefits. You know, it's an organic, obviously just grows naturally and has so many medical benefits. You know, they're finding that you can treat depression and PTSD and all sorts of uh, maladies with it. So what are your thoughts on that? Not, not this is, by the way, a side topic. I'm not necessarily you need to jump oh, on this yeah. wagon in your campaign speech, but just out of curiosity. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, the first thing I can say about magic mushrooms is, uh, once again, it it's, uh, comes down to largely, hey, almost anything, if, if a human being decides that they will not be complete without putting that into their body. I'm not here to tell them what that substance's name is or what, what dose they should handle. But as far as, uh, you know, beyond, beyond that kind of cackle raising anytime any prohibition is, is brought up, uh, I think it is a further injustice when what is being banned or, you know, shadow banned or whatever the government does. And it's actually beneficial. Um, you know, that, that to me strikes a deeper chord of, of malice mm-hmm. than simply, oh, well, well, we don't want you doing methamphetamines because it makes your teeth fall out and IQ drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, I'm going to have to take the default libertarian position. I don't even care what the substance is. If there's a group of people that are saying we would like the legal right to, you know, to consume this the government would have to express ownership of them over them that they don't have to tell them no. Yep. And that just irks me. Yep. God bless. All right. What about the last thing? Well, let's say you got, well, not the last thing, but you have one more thing on this show to say you do once elected. What would it be? And because I only got three, I, I had to go for a blanket answer. Uh, that's just to fr- fight corruptions of liberty and justice whenever and wherever they emerge uh, in whatever form it may take. Cause they're good. They're really good at, at sneaking riders, at sneaking, you know, oh, these yeah. long bills through these days. Uh, you know, people back in the day used to get tis- ticked off that they passed so many laws and they Congress thought it would. Oh, well, we'll just we'll just pile them all on each other. So there's less. number. <laughs> of right. They'll like that a whole lot better. But that's actually a, a whole lot worse. Uh, I'd probably try and start some sort of. Uh, 
of rebellion kind of in, in whatever the minority party was because I've been actually having the opportunity to speak some representatives past and current in my district. Um, some of the tricks that are used by party leadership on both sides, it really doesn't matter who's in. It's just party leadership usually has the opportunity to set rules of the house that, mm-hmm. that have to be followed. Like, oh yeah, we can dump a 30,000 page bill on you and expect you to vote on that thing later that afternoon. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so essentially, you know, I just do what we do, man. I'd show up and pretty soon everybody would be fighting. No, I, I, I'd rather see everybody fight. You know, it's funny whenever it kind of brings to mind when the government shuts down and I say, that's wonderful. You know, <laughs> that was the best thing that could happen is everybody's fighting each other. Nothing gets done. <laughs> Give me more of that. Uh, all right. So last thing, maybe the most challenging question on here. What is one libertarian position or viewpoint that you don't know if you're fully on board with? That the winning of elections is not absolutely essential to advancing liberty. Uh, we, we're going to have to become a savvy politicking machine, showing our 48 years of experience, not acting like an organization with six years of political experience repeated eight times. Uh, you know, we, we can be content that we might be able to nudge the, the Republicans this way on economic spending, or we might be able to nudge the Democrats this way and, and into being more assertive of, of people's social rights. But... Um, until we're able to actually start getting libertarians into office and people start to realize the best thing in the world you can have is an elected official wherever they set, telling whoever's trying to make their product, service, or corruption mandatory, no. Mm-hmm. And there's one political party that's producing candidates willing to look that type of power and temptation in the face and tell it no, and that's us and we have to get elected to be able to show the people that temptation falls off of us like you know water off a duck's back because it's kind of that ethical thing that we always try to push for beyond beyond what's merely legal is what's ethical in this situation and uh one bad rider is all it would take for me to say no so that's what i'd be doing if elected i'd be saying no for a living. I like it. The new doctor. No, I, I, uh, well, you know, it's like, I, I like that answer. And, uh, it is something that I, myself, I support your viewpoint. And I remember I, I got uh, booed at a, at a, uh, event I was talking at because I, I basically voiced that, but, uh, but again, you, you referenced Dr. Paul, he was the one that inspired me. And, and in fact, everybody on the Lions of Liberty show came from Dr. Paul and his, his stances being an elected official. And I agree with you completely, not only in that you can affect change within the system. And on top of that, though, you look at the number of people that you can reach and inspire to spread the message. And we would not be having this conversation if not for a man who was an elected official. So I default to that position. So I say good answer. Thank you very much. (laughs) I I, I picked an easy one. I'm sure there are ones I I could have chosen and gotten myself a boo on. (laughs) Hey, I'm sure people are booing. If they're listening to this right now, there's probably people walking down with their earbuds in going, boo. So don't worry. Libertarians can boo anything. You know that. They can. And that is the, the, the beauty of it, really. Uh, yep. the, the non-presumption of ownership of others' opinions, mindsets, or ways. It's just they own them, we own us. Isn't this nice? <laughs>
Yep, there you go. Well, well Drew, do me a favor. I, I already gave a, a shout-out to your Twitter and your website, but do me a favor, just mention that again. Tell people where they might be able to find you, should they actually be in your district, where they can see you, uh, and any other social media that you'd like to plug. Absolutely. Well, obviously, you know, the Lions of Liberty podcast ah, is <laughs> that we should be plugging all the time. But beyond that, for me personally, uh, if you want to see some zingers occasionally on Twitter, uh, actually, my tweets have been responsible for the incumbent pulling three of hers. So ah, nice. if cheeky stuff going on, visit at L-A-Y-D-A 2018, Leda 2018 on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check out my website, which isn't quite nearly as cheeky, it's uh, <laughs> kind of low tech, actually. Uh, Leda2018.com. Um, and I think I got uh, a couple Facebook pages as well. Um, Oregon's next U.S. congressman. Uh, and Which is, uh, well, well, I'm looking at it right now. It's facebook.com forward slash Leda2018. You've got, you've got a good, you got a good uh, circle of the wagons around this Lady 2018 thing. <laughs> yeah, I have to change all of it. Can you believe that? <laughs> Uh, what else? Anywhere locally people can find you if they're if they're in the district, they want to come out and say hello or hear you beat some people down with uh, arguments based on logic and reason? Well, absolutely. Well, first off, every Monday they can come to the Libertarian Party of Oregon's board meeting. I'm also a board member of the Libertarian Party of Oregon. And if you ever find yourself just west of mile marker 17 on U.S. Highway 30 and feel like hanging out down at the Columbia River, on my 85 foot motor sailor and Ooh, have nice. my six tap kegerator. <laughs> I will be found here if I'm not out doing my best to stand in tyranny's way and tell it no and do my best to hope that I give it diarrhea should it choose to eat me. <laughs> I love it. Makes me want to take a trip to Oregon just to see you on those six taps. <laughs> you know what? We're here as well as like, uh, we have pot shops like most other states have Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Just uh, saying. Well, you're uh, coming from California, though, so I can't tempt you with that same No, stuff true, like- but but any number of our listeners, I'm sure, could be uh, could tempted into that. And I've, and I've not been. I've been to Portland exactly one time. I did enjoy it. I didn't have any Antifa come my way, but uh, I, I like the region. So, yeah, hopefully I get up there someday and meet you in person. Uh, Drew, At- thank you so uh- much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Brian, thank you so much for having me. My best again to y'all at Lions of Liberty. Thanks for doing the podcast and doing what you can to keep America and your listeners freer. Damn well right. Well, good luck, my friend. And uh, again, everybody, wherever you can support Drew, whenever, however you can support Drew, please do take the time and the effort to support him as a man fighting for our rights, fighting for our basic liberties in a land where uh, opposition is fierce. So from me, from Drew Leda, And from the candidates of liberty here from Lions of Liberty, thank you for listening, and we will see you again soon.